0: If you are leading change, building a team, or implementing new procedures, Gonzaga University's Online Master's in Organizational Leadership gives you the tools for success. With concentrations in change, global, and servant leadership, you'll get the most relevant training and education to help you tackle any challenge. Visit gonzaga.edu slash leader and find out how Gonzaga's Organizational Leadership degree can affect positive change in your life and career. That's gonzaga.edu slash leader. Holidays are here. And so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately.
1: Hey everyone, this is the Almost World Podcast. Bringing to you mind-blowing interviews with guests from all over the world. So settle down, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh, yeah. By the way, if you like the podcast, please support Elmo's World Podcast on Patreon. Your support is what helps the podcast improve more and more. Welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. This is Elmo and I am with my awesome friend Jeffrey Heyman. Can you introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, Elmo. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And um, yeah, I'll say a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a philosophy professor. Uh, at Saginaw Valley State University uh, in Michigan, in the in the United States, uh, I've been teaching for about 25 years now. Um, I got a PhD in philosophy from uh, Ohio State um, again about 25 years ago. Um, it's in philosophy my my area of specialization is the is the philosophy of science so uh you know years ago when i first started this uh, all my publications were on something called chaos theory which you don't hear much about uh, now but uh, in, in the 90s it was a, it was a big deal um uh, and so from from there, I I've specialized and written about uh, topics in in the philosophy of physics. So all that interesting stuff, the weird stuff you hear about quantum mechanics and relativity. You know, all, all that that's that's the stuff that I I talk about full time. Um, before I got before I started a PhD program um, in, in philosophy, I, I had I had been an engineer. Uh, my my bachelor's degree is in electrical engineering. Uh, and so I, I made the, the big switch to uh, to philosophy in, in graduate school, which is something I don't necessarily recommend to, to people.
1: Awesome. Okay. Well, in that case, though, you're, you're, I guess you're, in terms of philosophy and science, I know mm-hmm. that science used to be a branch of philosophy, but nowadays they're they, they, they so, it it, it, it it appears in, you know, mainstream, uh, I guess, media, that philosophy mm-hmm. and science are sort of, you know, mutually exclusive in a way that philosophy is just a, bun- a bunch of mumbo jumbo in your imagination and science are, <laughs> are actually things that you can prove you know but I completely disagree of course <laughs> but um, yeah. okay you're someone that's, you, that came from a STEM field right and you right. yes. focus on empirical research uh, verification, falsifiability demonstration in terms of you know just experiments and research but what Why did you switch to philosophy,
2: bro? Oh, well, I think (laughs) it's it's kind of a... um Kind of a family answer, I guess. Um, I didn't uh, when I went into, when I went into um, engineering as an undergraduate. I didn't exactly know what I was getting into. I, I, I didn't have any any engineers in my in my family and the like. But um, you know, I was raised by raised by a single mom, and you know, I was good in math and and, and good in physics. And so every adult I knew you know, when I was in high school told me, "You got to be an engineer. You got to you know get out there and make money and all that." And it wasn't really until very far into uh that, that engineering program that i realized that that really I'm not sure that was my choice you know it, uh, it, it, i could have been happy i think doing that but i wanted to uh see what else was out there but i wanted to you know possibly do other with my life um and so that's when i i started yeah looking around. i wasn't sure i didn't didn't know that in, in kind of looking to the 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 broader horizon that uh, I'd end up as a philosophy professor that certainly wasn't the plan uh, but I did want to explore you know a little bit more broadly than this kind of path that I kind of felt that I got I got locked into a little bit
1: okay uh can you give me a brief background you know just give in a nutshell what was your I guess, in terms of your journey, in terms of of religion, you know, what kind of uh, household were you raised in and then what Mm -hmm. sort of religions did you dive into and where are you now? So, um...
2: I was raised um, nominally Catholic, so you know we we never went to church. But you know if, if I if I asked, um, you know I, I'd ask my mom. So you know what are we? Uh, and she'd tell me we're, we're, we're Catholic. Kind of like I'd ask about uh, politics. You know are we are we are we Republicans or, or, or Democrats? When I first knew that you know that was a that was a thing, and she told me well, we're Democrats. I'm, okay, fine. I know I know, I know, you know what what signed to line up under. Um, as I went further along, by the time I was in high school, um, I had actually give, given all that up. Uh, I, I was an atheist, uh, and, and, a, and a happy atheist. Uh, you know, I, things were going well, and I, I didn't, I didn't have any of these, you know, deep needs in my life that that some uh, theists, you know, will, will talk about. Um, in fact, the people that I saw who who were uh, uh, engaged in, in, in churches and in Christian groups, it seemed pretty clear to me that it was, it was just an emotional thing. It was just a, a psychological thing. Uh, and I, that wasn't, just wasn't appealing at all. Um, and in fact, the more I thought about it, the more I thought that maybe someday I could just, I could like write a book. <laughs> I could show that this, that the whole, the whole Christian thing, the whole uh, you know belief in God, it's all just, it's all just, you know, emotion. It's all, it's all just psychology. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, to do that, I realized I probably have to know more about the subject matter than I did never, never having gone to church or anything. I didn't, didn't know any of that stuff. So I, I started going hanging out in, in one, one Christian group that, that met, uh, in my high school, uh, and, and just came to realize that there, there's just a lot more to it that, than, than I had, you know, believed at first. Um, there was actually my, my sister, um, had, had, uh, put me in touch with a pastor friend of hers who uh could you know give me some literature and you know I, I realized that um I wasn't the I wasn't the first person who had 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 these sort of questions had these sort of objections to theism that you know you there's actually quite this um you know a long background, uh, literally hundreds of years uh, of scholars who who had asked all these tough questions. And so once I started digging in and realizing, wow, much to my surprise, there were really good answers to my to all my objections. um, That's that's when I realized I I had kind of a problem. (laughs) So all of a sudden things were not as neat and neat and clean as I had thought. Um, And so, yeah, within within a couple of years, um, I I remember just driving down the road and and just coming to realize um, that I. It wasn't it wasn't a decision so much. It just you know I just found myself you know believing you know actually actually, yeah, I think this is true. I think, uh, I think there actually is a God. I, I, uh, I believe, you know, the story that um, the kind of the evidence for the resurrection of, of Jesus of Nazareth, it's like, I, I really think that probably is the, the best explanation for, for what we know all told, um, uh, which again, in some ways is kind of disappointing because I, I, re- I realized that um, that, that, me- that meant something for my life. You know, if there, if there is a God, um, then that kind of, that kind of means something, right? Um, that, that's, you're gonna have to adjust to this, uh, you know, to this, this powerful agent, you know, that, that's out there and, you know, has, has plans for you, know, you and you your life. And so, uh, and so, yeah, so then I, I, I started uh, attending a church, uh, and, you know, haven't have, you know, ever since then, uh, you, know, uh, you know, been a, been a Christian theist, uh, uh and so that then you know my understanding of what that means and even what the problems are and the the, the answers to those problems that's uh, uh that's gotten uh, uh better deeper over the years certainly studying philosophy uh, you you get into you know, some deeper issues but yeah i'm i'm quite comfortable here you know years later uh, in in saying yes i'm a i'm a christian theist um and, uh, and I think that overall as, as a worldview uh, gives you the best explanation for, for everything we, we know, everything we've experienced, yeah, all, all in uh, that's, that's the best worldview.
1: Wow. This is really interesting. I guess like, you know, you, you. you you came into uh study religion and the the philosophy of you know basically what it means to be a christian why they believe it and you know you you thought that you were going to come back and bring home the bacon and say oh i proved (laughs) it all wrong but instead i guess you you sort of won in a way which is also good right you you won the in the christian way i guess (laughs) and um Okay, I, I I wanna ask this then, right? Um, how, because you're someone who was, who you know, in your mindset that, oh, religion is just, you know, a bunch of emotional, uh, chemicals in the brain, and this is why people yeah. sort of believe, but how do you know then that right now you're not someone who's, who is that, who is in that hypothesis of yours that, you know, just religious people are just, uh, emotionally inclined to, to believe, like, how do you know you're, you escape
2: that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's. I guess it's always a possibility. Um, all I can say is that's that's not how I came in, and I and I and I don't even now today. It's it's not. Um, I, I don't consider it to be any sort of emotional crutch or or, or anything like that. Um, it, it really is um, you know, primarily uh, for, uh, for for rational rational reasons. Ultimately, it's the arguments and the evidence. Uh, and if and if at the end of the day. Um, you could show me something better if you if you had an overall system. You could show me that it was not, then I I think yeah I'd, I'd be attracted to that overall system. It really is, and I, I think at least most philosophers um, uh, hope to uh, think of themselves in this light, it really is a matter of truth. I'm really trying to get at the right answer um, as, as best we can. So it was never an emotional thing. Um, and I, I still I still don't think it is it's not it's not primarily. So basically, a
1: just to simplify your answer, if someone objects that hey, bro, you, you became a Christian, because of your emotional tendencies, you say no, bro, you know, i I actually leave emotion out the door, and actually look at the ra- rationality of, of what it means to be a Christian and I'm just convinced by it, you know, it, it's it, to me, it's just the truth and I can't deny it. Is that what, yeah.
2: what? wow. Ultimately that's, yeah. I mean, I, I could be, you know, it's always possible I'm mistaken and there's some, you know, hidden emotion and I'm just, I just don't understand my own, my own mind, but in terms of my own reflections, what, what got me in at the beginning and you know, what keeps me in now um, it's, it's ultimately the, you know, the, it's, it's the best explanation for everything we know historically and scientifically and philosophically all told it's it, it's a it's a matter of reason not not a matter of of emotion
1: okay okay um let me ask you this then right like if you you know you're someone who dives into philosophy and probably look and in, it looks into all the theories right and especially on in terms of ontology and I, i'm talking about either materialism or idealism or dualism and i want to ask you um it, it, what ca- what a kind of ontology do you hold into and if, if you're a theist I, let me predict that you're probably looking at you know consciousness is this metaphysically emergent thing and it's actually the fundamental basis of 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 all reality and that's why you're a theist or I guess, like laid lay the groundwork for your theism. Would that be the case? Well,
2: I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I'm, I. I mean, as ontology, of course, you know, I believe, I believe in the material world. I believe in the stuff that a, that a materialist or physicalist um, believes in, but then there's at least one other being, you know, immaterial being, other than that, there's going to be God. Um, If you're asking about things like, like free will and, and, and a soul or mind, um, I certainly, I certainly lean towards the, the, the the dualist side. Again, all told um, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, trying to, uh, explain why it is that we have free will and and moral accountability and also again you know, as a christian I, I take um information that that is in the bible i take that seriously that it is that it is information that's given to us you know from a from a knowledgeable source and so insofar as the as the bible and the notion of the afterlife uh, it, it seems that um it's not it's not knocked down i mean it's not it's not absolutely the case and i'm not i'm not completely convinced of this but it seems that uh you know, all told that some sort of dualism that meaning meaning there's more to us as human beings than than just just our bodies and brains. I think there is a an immaterial aspect, yeah, to, to human beings, probably. Problem.
1: Okay, let's, let's try a sort of a, a thought experiment, right? Let, let's say that your mind is a vacuum right now. And you don't believe anything, you know, you're just okay. uh, an exploring mind, you know, observing everything, the data and the observing that you have sort of some rationality within you and you could know some things, right? So, uh, so if you're this, let's say teenager, right. And how would you arrive at the conclusion that there is a God? Wh- where would you start?
2: Where Would I start today? So this wasn't available the interesting thing is, is, is the argument I think that gets you in the door wasn't available uh, when, when I was a teenager um, but it would be something there's um, uh, something that physicists have have discovered within the last 30 or 40 years is this notion of fine-tuning uh you know in in the universe that um there are there are fundamental constants uh you know in physics like the gravitational constant and, and you know a number of others maybe maybe 20 um, others that if they if they weren't um, they exact value that they, that they are, if they weren't in a very narrow range, you think of like the the strength of gravity that had been in the universe a a little bit stronger, a little bit weaker, um, uh, ever so, ever so slightly, then life, life itself would be impossible anywhere in the universe. Um, And so gravity is an example and the four funda- other three fundamental forces in the universe all have this kind of fine-tuning aspect to them, uh, and it's kind of a puzzle. Most most physicists think this is something that's actually pretty surprising. Um, the universe, you know, shouldn't be set up in just such a way to to permit life, um, but but it is. And so you know, why is that the case? And so I've got a I got a chapter in my first book where I kind of go through the the different possible answers, uh, and I still think ultimately it's it's the design answer. I think that the the word world looks fine tuned for uh, not not the world the universe looks fine tuned for the existence of life, because it literally has been fine-tuned, it has been you know designed this way um, so that so that uh, life and and including you know rational life like like, like we have that that would be uh, possible and and sustainable. Um, again, that doesn't that's that's a good way in I think as a as a type of of design argument or teleological argument. It doesn't rely on the Bible or anything like that. Um, but at least yeah, it gets you it gets you moving. I think it, in the right direction
1: so okay after the fine tuning right it doesn't really lead you to a specific like classical theist god right you could be in a simulation or whatever so how do you then you know keep it going and actually reach the conclusion that this classical god you know omni omni's god is real
2: yeah so you could there are other there are other arguments non um like non Biblical arguments, mean they don't require, you know, any scripture or anything um, that that are, you know, pretty well known. Um, I don't, I don't know what, like, my my second, you know, most favored argument might be. Um, If you think there are things like, like ethical truths, moral truths, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that are, that are really, that aren't just things that we invent, but, but are, are discovered, like it really is, there's, really something wrong with, um, you know, uh, tor- torturing children. It's not just that, you know, that we feel bad about or, um, uh, such things. Um, if there are moral truths, if, if moral realism is right, that that does seem to be at least odd uh, in a world that, that's fully material, right? Trying to figure out how ethical truths, you know, where where they could live, where where there's room in, in a universe that's ultimately just, you know, matter and energy, you know, how there could be, um, you know, not just Truths of physics, but but truths of, of, of ethics. Um, so again, that that argument, the moral argument, it, it 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 is useful for people who think there are ethical truths. A lot of people don't, uh, and so this this won't you know, be helpful to them. But um, I think if you if you do, if you really think these are truths to be discovered, and I think that is going to lead you to more like like an agent, uh, like like God. Um, you know it certainly isn't going to be a it's it just an, an immaterial um, um, you know, irrational presence you know out there
1: so when it comes to this then it does it mean that you know you're you, okay you're look, looking at a fine-tuning argument and then a moral argument for God so does that then sort of equal oh it's then it's really rational for me to believe that there is a classical theist God do you think that well is there, or is there more to it
2: when you say classical theist I mean there's now you're there's a lot of theology that is brought in. So it's going to be that these are arguments that are going to get you to, I think, something supernatural, at least, right, something beyond, maybe at least, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, once you get to to a cre- at least a Creator God, yes, a deist God, um, then it, so, so now that so now you've established um, uh, some rational basis for believing there is some sort of being like that. Now the question is, okay, which of the options? Theist, deist, you know, what have you, which which of those is the best option? Um, and so you know, for that, then I might I might go completely on the other end. Uh, and now I'll start talking about things like uh, again as, as, as a Christian, uh, I think the the arguments for the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth are actually you know quite good as well. Um, so that gets you very, you know, very specific then right? Not just uh, not just something supernatural, but you know that yeah that okay. Really but, is. but before
1: we move into that though, I want to ask you like if someone were you know you're you're you said you you're most of your I guess your belief system is grounded on rationality right? So mm. if you say that you you be, you're, it's rational for you to believe in god right and or at yeah. least a deist god and but, but using the fine-tuning and moral argument then if someone were to say to prove to you that the current argument you have for uh, a fine-tuning and moral argument are flawed or incoherent would you then say that okay then currently i don't believe in god or but until i find a, 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 a actual an actual complete argument that actually leads to a a deist god. yeah.
2: Well, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can like just siphon off the, the thing about the resurrection though, because for me it's a package deal. Because it, look, if 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 the resurrection actually happened, if you actually had you know this man who predicted that you know he, he was going to die and then you know, come back to life, uh, that does again seem like there's something supernatural going on there. Um, and, and so you've got you know lots of data, uh, arguments from fine tuning, arguments from the moral like the moral argument. Uh, explaining the resurrection of Jesus, uh, explaining other supernatural phenomena, um, you know that that people seem to have experienced, uh, and then overall coming up with the best explanation overall for for all those things. That's what's going to get you to something like the theistic God. And so so you know if if the fine-tuning argument, if that you know by itself um, you know ultimately is, is flawed or some, becomes you know some really great. Naturalistic explanation for fine-tuning, um, then yeah, it, I don't think it all comes crashing down because it, at this stage there's there's a lot of you know there, there are a lot of arguments uh, overall and a lot of data overall, uh, and so it's 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 a bit like some people think of it as like. Um, it's like a it's like a rope, right? You've got lots of little strands in there that all come together to to you know make this this uh, thing that can can bear a lot of weight. So if you snap one of those strands, uh, yeah, I'm not you know that's too bad. <laughs> I, w- I hope the fine tuning argument doesn't go away, uh, but it's not fatal, I, I think. Yeah, to my to my belief system.
1: Mm-hmm. So okay, so let's say then granted then that this this God is proven to be one of the biggest possibilities for why we exist, right? Then you mm-hmm. then it, as a part of package deals that gee, okay jesus christ is res, is re, what died on the cross and was resurrected after three days and this is historically proven therefore the christian god is real
2: it gives evidence to it yeah i mean if if you have a person who is working within a particular uh worldview right and made made such a prediction and then it, and then it comes true uh yeah that gives some weight to, to to their views so yeah i think you i think i think jesus is is, is someone you want to want to pay attention to uh and his disciples are people that you want to you want to you know understand what it is that that they believe because yeah they're they're in touch with something that that most people are not in touch with
1: Okay, let's talk about jesus then and like um in terms of how why why you think it's actually he, historically reliable to say that jesus actually existed died and was resurrected right like because mm. what evidence do you have and how and how do you how can you say that this the 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 text actually uh correspond to actual reality and was not corrupted or manipulated or just
2: disillusioned uh writers sure so there's you got there's a couple of questions in there but but one let's just talk about the text uh, so one of my objections, you know, even, even as a teenager was the worry that, um, you know, that the, even the, all the supernaturals, so maybe there was this, this teacher, you know, this rabbi jesus of nazareth but you know all the supernatural stuff in the bible i thought well that you know that can be explained by by people later you know this down through the middle ages or something like that they just put those stories in there it's like a you know an, a legend that, that accrues over time um and, and there's two reasons to, to real to know that, that that just isn't the case for one we've got um i, I also believed, and a lot of people believe that in terms of the bible they believe this notion of uh uh, of the telephone uh, game Do you know you know that telephone game um, the idea that you, you make, someone makes up a story um and then they tell one other person and that person tells another person that to, and you can you can do this in a, you know a room full of kids and at the end you, know, you you listen to the the version that got passed down to that that 20th kid and they recite it and it's nothing at all you know like what the first person said and so that's kind of what i thought about the bible you know it's, it's it get you know, translated and retranslated and down through the ages and so what we have now it's just you know it's just there's nothing in there that you can rely on it just turns out it's not true um, um, you know, when you look to uh, biblical scholars and just you know, flat out historians, you know, they'll show you all you know, these these hundreds of, of manuscripts that we have, uh, you, you it back, not just it, it translation, but in the original Greek, in the language in which the, you know, the text w- was written originally. So this whole, this whole telephone game sort of, you know, analogy for the Bible is just completely wrong. Uh, and instead, what you it's more like a, uh, it, it's a little bit more like a, like a, a form letter or something. So I send you a letter and then you make 10 copies of it and send it to your friends. And then they make 10 copies and then they make 10 copies. So what we have are, you know, um, uh, co- we have some samples, uh, of those copies that were made, you know, all the way back, uh, you know, at least in, in some cases, some parts of the Bible back to the uh, second or third century. So, you know, it, we know it isn't something that, that, that things like the resurrection it really looks like that story uh was part of the original uh, uh message it wasn't something that just cropped up in the middle ages so that's one thing in terms of the in terms of the text why we why it is it that we can uh, um you know trust the text they they really haven't been corrupted and changed you know dramatically down down through the ages um the other oh just then as far as the the resurrection itself the approach I would take, uh, there's there's more than one way to do this, um, but I think maybe the, the easiest one is to say, well, you know, what, instead instead of me trying to convince you say that that the Bible is true and you should you know believe these stories, you know how about if you ask a, um, a a critical historian, a non-christian historian, you know what do you you know what will you give me as far as you know what what happened you know in the first century what what sort of things in the Bible what 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 is true? Um, and they'll give you a handful of things, right they'll they'll you know, it, it is it is the case that uh, uh, because Jesus is mentioned in some um, non-christian source sources that sure there was this Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, um, that you know he he caused this uh you know disturbance uh, in Jerusalem was ultimately crucified because the Romans you know did that sort of thing we have you know good evidence for for Roman uh, crucifixion um uh, so uh w- the idea is disciples you know uh, um, uh, were distraught at his um uh, at his death that you know they thought that he was going to be the new new king of Israel and then he dies initially um uh, the empty tomb if there was an empty tomb it's a little bit more controversial but a lot of critics will, will you know grant you that um that at one point they that the disciples did discover this this empty tomb doesn't mean again that by itself doesn't mean that jesus was resurrected but uh you know that they're yeah they, they went to the tomb where they remembered jesus having been buried and and he wasn't there after three days so there's there's about 12 things all told um including um including the testimony of uh the person we think now of uh, as, as the apostle paul um you know he just t- tells his own story uh that that he was not a follower of jesus he was actually on the other side he was a, a persecute a persecutor of, of, of jesus but had an experience uh, you know at least again in his from his perspective he thinks he encountered the, the risen christ on the on the road to damascus and then he you know that experience then put him on the other side he started to become a christian so if you just take you know these these facts that um that even critical historians w- will allow none of which is supernatural by itself cuz you know they'll grant that yeah paul has ha- had some sort of experience but you know maybe it, w- it was a hallucination or you know or something like that um when you take all the things that that the Critical historians will, will will allow, and you say, okay, well, it's if it wasn't a resurrection, then then what was it? I mean, how how do we explain these things? Um, and I would say that each of the alternative explanations fails to account for for some bit of evidence that that even the critical scholars will um, uh, will allow you know, is the case. So something like, just just, just give you an example. Um, So so something like, well, maybe, you know, maybe the reason there was an empty tomb is that the disciples, uh, you know, came and and stole the body, you know, after the fact, and that's, and then reported, you know, that that, that the tomb um, was empty. Well, you know, the the problem with that is that... um, if that was the case, I mean, most historians will agree that the, the disciples seem to have thought that that Jesus rose from the dead, right? That's that you know they could have been they could have been lying. Uh, I, I guess you know is a possibility. They stole the body and lied. The problem is, is that you know all but one of the original apostles um, uh, was was uh, killed, was was murdered, you know, in some case tortured uh, to death, uh, and, and we don't have any record uh, in from from Jewish schol- Jewish historians or, or Roman sources that like any of them recanted none of them changed their story at the end and so as as one friend of mine uh, you know likes to say um uh, li- liars don't make good martyrs so if you know if you if you told a lie and then you were possibly going to die for that lie uh then you would probably you know it probably you're going to give that up. Pro- probably you're going to confess, no, I lied. And, you know, and so everything's fine. But, you know, none of those, none of those early guys, none of those early apostles, uh, you know, seem to have changed their story. So the idea that the apostles stole the body uh, and then lied about it later, yeah, it just it just doesn't fit the historical facts. So in terms of, you know, now you have to go down the list, you know, to to give you the full argument, you'd have to go down, okay, what all the different things that could have happened and then see if they meet the, uh, if they, if they fit the data uh, that, even non-christian scholars will will give it.
1: okay yeah i guess then that you know understanding the whole package of that that's where you say that a man like christian christianity is just true
2: ultimately yeah it's a it's a it's what philosophers call an inference to the best explanation right you've got you've got certain data you've got to try to explain that data and overall, I think that the best explanation for what we know historically is that, yeah, actually, actually, the resurrection happened. Either either you're going to have to say the resurrection happened, or we just we just don't know, right? We just some something happened. We we have no idea. But if you're gonna if you're gonna have some sort of explanation that covers all the data, it looks like the supernatural one is is the only one that.
1: Okay, then I, I wanna. Uh, take a look into what you what you've covered in your book, right? About divine sure. actions, right? Is that mm-hmm. what it's called? What is it about, man?
2: Well, let's see. The second one is called uh, divine action determinism and the laws of nature. So, divine action is just the fancy fancy uh, term for uh, how God acts, what God is doing. So we know, you know, God God's God creates. And God upholds, sustains everything. And then whatever else God might do, um, including things like miracles, But the, the, the broad academic term for that is, is divine action, what, what God is doing.
1: So, and what was the first book
2: about? Physics of Theism, The Physics of Theism, God, Physics, and the Philosophy of Science. Uh, and there, I took you through um, uh, you know, the different ways that that um, theologians and philosophers of religion uh, want to use science, mainly physics, almost exclusively physics, um, uh, and how that, how uh, they want to interact with things like uh, quantum mechanics and chaos theory and general relativity and and you know some some work they they want to do with that. And sometimes the things they say uh, I think are, are are good and right, and some things that they say aren't aren't so good and and don't get the science. Um, correct and so it just takes you through you know a, a handful of those those different um th- different things we find in in science uh that that philosophers of religion and the- theologians want to use and try to then you know work your way you know through all that to try to try to give a kind of a, of a more informed um uh mm-hmm. Uh, understanding of what it is they're, they're trying to do
1: well I guess that I, I, I want to read that book too but maybe you could give give us a, I guess like a breakdown of how theists actually use science specifically like um would and how it's like how how can a theist use physics to sort of indicate that God is real I, I'm really interested
2: yeah so the one is that fine-tuning thing um, that I talked so one one whole chapter of that first book is on this this notion of fine-tuning and explaining that a little bit more uh, that's Again, there are lots of you know web pages and books out there that kind of give you the examples of of fine tuning. I, I'm I, and I give I do give some some a handful I think the best examples. Um, but then go through the possible explanations okay so if you if you don't like the idea that that, that you know like the design idea that god you know literally put these in place and then, then you know what else what else have you know do, can you can you give what are are all the alternative explanations and then kind of critique those go go down the line um so it's the same really it's the it's the same the logic of it isn't all that different from what i said about the resurrection you've got you've got data uh, and then you've got alternative explanations and then you're you're trying to weed out what is the best explanation that you among those alternatives so yeah when it comes to fine tuning at least as of today i i think that the the best Explanation: The best explanation for the data is that, yeah, look, the universe looks fine-tuned because it, it really has been, been set up that way. Um, the other arguments in there aren't, the other topics in the book aren't so much um, arguments for the existence of God. Um, again, it's just ways that, that theists want to, want to use physics in some way. So I'll give you an example. Here's something that like ties the two books together. Um, some people, um, there, there's a friend of mine um Bob Russell um is a is a, is a physicist theologian he's got he got PhDs in in both um, uh, physics and, and theology um so he thinks that god um uh, like works he, he's concerned like a, a number of theologians are about about the laws of nature there are a lot of folks out there that that think that god doesn't often maybe never um violates the laws of nature so like God has instituted the laws, and then he he decides that, need to work within those things that he's he is he has ordained. And so Bob thinks that God then works through uh, through quantum mechanics that you have these random events down at the you know, at the ground floor of quantum mechanics, um, and because they really are random, ontologically random, they 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 there really is you no know, no cause ultimately that that makes uh, say a a given atom of uranium. Uh, Decay at a particular time that um, events like that God could work within those events make them come out the way he wants without without violating any laws of nature because they really are ultimately um, random so. Again, that's that's there's there's so there's quantum mechanics. There's a way that theologians, you know, want to want to try to bring in quantum mechanics to talk about stuff that that God does. And so um, that was that was a topic in one chapter in my first book. And then I realized I had a whole lot more to say about it. And so I wrote a I wrote a whole second book, really, just just on that topic.
1: Yeah. And okay. Well, in terms of uh, miracles, right? And. Um, Okay. okay, I I I guess I get a lot of of you know objections in, in terms of the Bible because you know there are, we know for a fact in 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 our scientific observation of how the universe works that miracles don't just happen you know the the universe has this specific structure and it follows it to the uh, like you know it dogmatically I guess you know and um how then can can we rely on a book that seems like from a from a third you know from a modern day perspective magical and all these miracles and legends uh, how, uh, how do you look at the miracles in the bible and maybe actually I guess, sort of prove that they can actually happen? Yeah,
2: I don't, I just don't see the conflict. Um, I mean, like, when you put it, the way you explained it, I think is is the common view that somehow science has, has disproven, like these can't happen. But, you know, if you look at, you know, like even the very notion of the laws of nature, you know, where did, where did that come from? Well, um, it, it starts, it starts in what we call the early modern period. It's people like Isaac Newton and, and, and Rene Descartes and others they are the ones who first start talking about this notion that that nature is governed by laws. But for them, this, this wasn't, this wasn't a secular idea. This wasn't a, a materialistic idea. They, they believed in laws of nature because there was a divine law giver. They were, they were all theists, all the big names that you can think of from the scientific revolution. They, they were all theists, and they're talking about laws of nature because, yeah, ultimately they they believe in God. They think this is where it comes from, uh, and so the idea then that you know that you have yes, you have a law governed world, but then you know that somehow you know proves even if the, even if the world is law governed, that proves that then God can't also act. They would have they would have thought that's that doesn't make any sense at all. You know why, why is it that God God can't act in a world you know in, in, in the very same world where He has set up the laws of nature. Now I realize today, like when people hear that word laws, they, they don't real most people don't realize that it, it, it starts with, with theism, right? That the actual origin of the very notion that there are laws in nature that, that came from theists, uh not 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 from not from naturalists. But as a matter of history, yeah, that's 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 absolutely locked down. There's really no controversy about that um, at all. In fact, I've got a, I've got a chapter on the history in that that second book, um, Divine Action, Determinism, and the Laws of Nature, which, by the way, is is, is open source, um, meaning um, uh, that that's free. You can you can download the PDF right from uh, the Rutledge site if you if you search for that. Um, so. Um, so anyway, you know the history. That's that's just not controversial at, at all. Um, that that, that con- the laws, nature, the idea comes comes from theism. So yeah, I don't I don't think um, uh, that there is some sort of you know intrinsic uh, um, you know, tension between the notion of uh, of miracles and science. Um, I'm not even sure that, that in, in my own view, uh, I'm not even sure that a, a lot of miracles what we think of as miracles um, necessarily have to be breaking the laws of nature. Um, I don't think the laws of nature like determine. Like, like we make changes all the time. This is this is kind of my my end story in that, that second book. We we make changes all the time uh, you know in, in our world and the laws adapt to those changes. So you know I can I can pick up my coffee mug and I can set it back down. Well it does. No, that's right. No, it, it does. It does. There is a belief there that I have the free will to do that. Uh, but if you if you again, if you believe that you have free will, then we make changes all the time in in the world and the laws adapt to those changes. So I think the laws aren't the laws don't determine each and every event. Um, they are perfectly capable of uh, uh, of adapting to, to, to change. Um if we have free will yeah so if, if we if we don't have free will and we're just you know part of the matrix of uh you know it's, if it's ultimately it's just just atoms bouncing around yeah um then then yeah the laws of nature are going to determine everything but yeah I, I i think we do i think we do have free will and so i think we make these sorts of changes all the time and there's no uh, there's no problem with the laws of nature we do, we don't break the laws of nature and so if we don't break the laws of nature if we can make changes in the physical world without violating the laws of nature, not, yeah, I don't see why God can't do the same thing. And any change we can make, God can make the same change and, and it doesn't violate the laws. The laws adapt to those changes.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I want to talk more about this free will, the free will topic, but before we dive into that, you know, I just want to take into... Uh, c- consideration that you're someone who's di- who's uh, dived into the philosophy of science, right? And it's mm-hmm. I guess it, it would be you would call it sort of your specialty. I guess would, would that yes, be correct? Yes. Okay, yep. then. Okay, I, I want to ask you this then. Like, it, it, as a as a, someone who's uh, uh, in, I guess it. You know, very familiar with the philosophy of science, and uh, I would uh, actually be confident to say that a lot of this uh, of you know people who dive into uh, the STEM the STEM field don't aren't actually familiar with the term philosophy of science. You know, they. they, (laughs) I think that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, can you, I guess, like introduce that to the audience? What is what does it philosophy of science mean? You know, and yeah.
2: Yeah, well, we're trying to ultimately we're trying to make sense uh, of of what 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 scientists do and how you know when things uh, when you have advances in, in science and how say one theory you know gives rise to another one like how how does that work how does a how, how does a given, you know, scientific hypothesis, for example, exactly what's the logic of of confirmation? Uh, and that you might think that's well, it's pretty simple. You know, you just do these experiments and stuff, and, and it turns out, yeah, it's it's actually it's actually kind of complicated. Um, um, there are questions about um does what what does science ultimately what is its goal what is its aim is science the uh, aim to give us uh, a literally true picture of of reality including fundamental reality or is is science merely uh, about making good predictions is it about just giving us good good equations and models that allow us to make you know better predictions and and new you know pharmaceuticals and, and stuff like that what what is science about so there's there's all these big questions about the nature of science Science, the nature of, of confirmation, scientific explanation, what do you do about entities that you know, we can't see? So I, something I point out to a lot of my audiences, um, most of them before you, before you study the philosophy of science at all, um, you're probably going to be what, what we call, uh, what philosophers call a, a scientific realist. You, you do think that science is about getting at the how things really are. Um, and so um, the way I illustrate that is um, uh, like electrons, you know, I ask my you know, an audience, uh, you know, how many about, how many out there, you know, do, you believe in electrons? Uh, are there any electron skeptics out there? You know, people who just don't, never got the whole electron thing. Uh, and of course people laugh and they say, well, of course I believe in electrons. Well, then, you know, the next question is, do, you know, do you have any, all right? Do you, can you, can you show me some, you know, where, if not, like, where are they? Who's, who's got the electrons? Um, you know, and, and and the answer is nobody's. Got, I mean, they're you know they're they're unobservable entities. They're intrinsically unobservable entities, uh, and so then you know why do we believe in them? Well, the logic of belief here, the, the ontological belief, uh, it comes down to the same thing that I said about about theism. Um, that well, you've got this data, right? We've got these things we do know another question is how do we explain the things that we that we can see and that we that we do know and can confirm it looks like the the best explanation for all that is that there are these these subatomic particles even though you can't see them you know believing in electrons that allows you to explain an awful lot of stuff you know the periodic table and electromagnetism and all all this stuff even though yeah you can't you can't see them and you'll never be able to yeah
1: but i guess like as a quick question though there's a difference between how we we've arrived at electrons and how we've arrived that there is a god right because you know you we sort of have experiments and and actual demonstrable research to show that that it our model of the atom and and that it has this electron you know we have tests, and we can verify that there is some something, you know, in terms of a theoretical electron that provides. Uh, uh, again and again, you know. Um, I guess predictable results. That's why we can yes. fairly be- believe that that our, our hypothesis then becomes sort of a reliable theory, right? But when it comes to God, this is so sort of. I w- is it? I guess I would. I don't know. Is it a, an induction or an abduction? Um,
2: ab- abduction. I think yeah, it's, not, it's ab- abduction. In both cases, the 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 abdu- abduction—that's the fancy term for for inference to the best explanation. But see, here's why I want to disagree. I do I do think our belief in electrons, our belief in, in, in all of our fundamental theories, and and at least uh, as a theist, my belief in God—it's all—it's all abduction. It's all based on you know what what evidence we have, what we can see. In the case of God, it includes things you know h- historical evidence and the like, and then trying to come up with the overall best explanation for for why that is. Um, and I, so I think ultimately, again, you, you can't, You you can't directly empirically um, detect, like I said, an electron. Um, I think they exist, right? I I I do believe it, but I think it's because they fit in with you know as part of our overall best best scientific theories, and those theories are are the again the best explanations we have for what we what we do see that that experimental evidence. So no, I I do want to say at the at the broadest level, if if you zoom all the way back, what what ultimately is the logic? of belief in science and belief in theism it's it's inference to the best explanation it, it is abduction
1: mm-hmm. okay well I, I guess that that for example um i i have i've have i've talked to a lot of people who are who also you know uh very i guess they 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 uh what do you call this they ground the, their belief system on on various on very scientific uh standards right they they, they right. just say that you know I, i'm i'm gonna believe everything that science proves and demonstrable but anything like a metaphysical god that is probably just in your image my imagination I'm not gonna say that that is true I might consider it as a possibility but I won't necessarily believe it just because you know it there there are some good arguments for it because there there might be a magical unicorn or something that they use that argument all the time but like um would you say that it they their sort of standard for their belief system is consistent with philosophy, the philosophy of science or or is is your your sort of approach to it that you know we have to find the the best uh model that we you know inferential one that we can have attain like which which one is i guess more consistent with philosophy well, science
2: within yeah philosophy of science it's not philosophy of science isn't like um you know high school chemistry where they're just, you know, giving you the, the right answers, right? So, so everything, so there are going to be people who would disagree with my, my, you know, characterization that in terms of abduction and an inference to the best explanation, they would say that that isn't, that isn't the, the, the best approach. Um, so, you know, so all, all these things are going to be, are going to be somewhat controversial. I would say about, about your person that you described though, see, I, I, I don't think the, I, I think your description is accurate. That, that's what they're going to say, uh, but it actually doesn't characterize their own beliefs. Um, so they're going to believe in things like, I mean, do they believe in electrons, right? And then once again, or quarks, you know, you can't have direct empirical evidence. They're believing the best, you know, overall story at a given point in time. And they're going to, they're going to be drawing on what What a lot of people don't realize is um, science can't proceed with, without a number of uh, a, a philosophical presuppositions or not, I don't want to call them presuppositions, but, but matters matters of philosophy um, that that you kind of need in order to do science so things like those same skeptics you're talking about do they, do they believe in laws of nature do they believe there are laws of nature um, I, I, you know, that in itself you know you, that, that that there are laws that they're in some sense governing the universe that's that's not part of any given theory there's nothing that says that you know, there have to be there have to be laws there's nothing that says the laws have to be uniform meaning that the, that the laws are the same here locally as they are say on the on the far side of andromeda or that the laws will be the same you know in a century as, as they are today now that, that person you described that that scientific skeptic they believe those things but the question would be on, on what basis what what scientific uh um, discovery tells us that the laws of nature are going to be the same uh, in a hundred years um so you know they're they're doing philosophy to some degree and and in some in some ways they're doing it well and in other ways I think they're doing it not so well. Uh, I think they're actually a lot of, a lot of so-called scientific skeptics uh, who are skeptical of theism i think what they're calling science uh, is actually an awful lot of philosophy it's it's an awful lot of naturalistic philosophy that's being smuggled in and then being labeled science uh because the science has the prestige but but really no they're they're, they're, really, they're really' making a number of uh, of controversial uh philosophical assumptions
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay then in terms of of you know your critique of them i think it's sort of the the problem with their approach to have it, to their belief belief system is that they're not consistent with their standards right because you know you say that if they believe in an electron because of you know these are the like um uh, these this deductive reasoning or maybe you know an inference of the data then why not be consistent and apply it to to god and and other metaphysical uh you know uh I guess topics and
2: issues—is that the case? If they, if they say that the only things—I think this was part of your description—that you know, I, I only believe in the things that, you know, that that can be scientifically proven. Well, there's a lot of things that that aren't aren't scientifically proven. If by proof you mean, you know, I. I I can prove that I got I got a coffee cup cup in front of me because I can see it and I, I put my hands on it. Well, again, there's a lot of stuff, especially in physics, which which is not like that. Uh, it's it's not a matter of proof. It's a matter of evidence, and then explaining that evidence as best we can and that's that's something less than proof so if the hardcore skeptic says no i i only believe in things that are scientifically proven there's an awful lot of stuff that that they they should not believe they should not believe there are laws of nature they should not believe that uh, that the laws um you know are, are going to be uniform in the future because that's not something you can prove and on and on and on there's there's you know if they want to hold those things then they're doing something more than pure empirical science that's all you know, I, I just want to point out that we all you really can't you really can't do science without a number of philosophical uh, uh you know presuppositions. And so once once you have that in the door, right, and you realize those those things aren't things that we can directly, you know, prove or 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 test, then yeah, now now we're all kind of on the same plane. Yeah, we're all we're all doing the best we can with what we have. Uh and so, you know, we all have to kind of, you know, look at the data, look at um, uh, the things that need to be explained and come up with the best explanation that, that we can. That's what everybody's doing
1: okay let, let, let's say that uh, they do agree that okay yeah when I say, make uh, scientific claims you know I'm probably also dipping my waters into naturalistic philosophy and uh, presupposing materialism and all of that but let, let's say then let's, let's say that um, okay but let's juxt- juxtapose your, your your you know a metaphysical framework with mine you know uh, I can actually demonstrate that mat- the materialism is is uh, what, what basically what what uh, the naturalist uh, reality that I, I believe in is actually here. You know, I could empirically say that in terms of, of you know, the, the most basic fundamental uh, way I can know things, I can actually verify these. But you cannot, but your claim actually includes um, a, a God like transcended from reality, and it's something that you cannot verify uh, with science. So, uh, in terms of, uh come in comparison you know mine is simpler while yours carries a a lot more metaphysical baggage i would say that that has to be proven still
2: yeah it's simpler uh the, the naturalist has the simpler ontology and simplicity simpl- simplicity is a value it's an explanatory value uh the question is is it, it does your simpler explanation explain everything that needs to be explained so what i would say is you know um uh all all matters of events that that had some sort of you know su- supernatural tinge to them whether it's hist- you know biblical miracles or, or things that happen today can the, can the can the naturalist explain those can the can the nat- I I talk about it with my students um you know, have you ever experienced you know, just any, any weird events, supernatural events, ghosts or something like that? Uh, none of that stuff you know, like proves gone, but even you know, in, in every class, you know, people have these, these firsthand stories, these firsthand experiences of something that really doesn't fit very well, uh, whether, whether it, it's, it's something that seems, seems like a ghost seems like it's supernatural in some way, um, just, you know, doesn't fit very well into a, into a naturalistic scheme. Now, a lot of those stories and things you see on YouTube and the like, I, I think I think they're you know that you can explain in terms of hallucination or fraud or something like that, but I, I don't think it explains them all. When you have when you find people that that aren't trying to sell books and aren't trying to just you know draw you to their YouTube site and they've got. You know they, they they've had experiences um, that 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 seem in some sense um, supernatural. Some of them have to do with, with with God. Some don't. I don't think that fits in very well with with a, with a naturalistic you know view. So yes, they have the simple simpler ontology, but I don't think they can explain everything that needs to be explained. Um, and and so when that happens, uh, when when you have things that you know your your simple views don't explain, then you got to you got to expand those views. And so yeah, I think the naturalist just just doesn't explain everything, all the data that we have, all the observations and experiences that we have. I don't think the naturalist, you know, gives you a good explanation for all of those.
1: Okay, awesome. Okay, then I want to go back to the topic of free will, right? Um, are you sure. a compatibilist or incompatibilist?
2: I'm working on that right now. And I, I'm, I, I think I, if you would ask me a year ago, I'd say incompatibilist. I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian. Okay, so I'm not a determinist. Um the determinist you know says that there is no free will um the compatibilist uh, the reason it's called that is is because the they think you can there's a way of making free will compatible with determinism and the libertarian you know doesn't like either one of those the libertarian is the is the fully caffeinated you know free will camp uh and they think no you really can't make that make that compatible um with determinism that's kind of the standard breakdown um but i what i've come to realize really with with um you know, the, the two books that i've written especially the second one um once you once you get into more of the details about the laws of nature and how they work and, and determinism and how it works with with in, within the you know, scheme of of the laws of nature um i i, I think I, I think I'm in a fourth camp uh, when i'm realizing that that those three camps there, there might be you know uh you know, other options out there um or if that's not the way to put it you know, types of libertarianism, Um, uh, that still could allow there to be determinism at at the, at the lower, um, at at the lower boundary. Um, so usually the normal, normal libertarian says, yeah, that, you know, it it can't be determinism down at at the, at, at the, at the bottom. Uh, ground floor of say of physics. Um but I'm I'm not so sure about that. I think I think maybe there is a way. Um you have to understand that there, you mentioned emergence I think early in in the in the podcast. Um and so yeah, I think if you have a a particular view of emergence then yeah, you can have you can have um libertarian free will, you can have indeterminism at a higher level even if there's determinism at a lower level. But again, you're, that's, you asked me a question about something I'm, I'm thinking about a lot right now, that's not fully formed. Um, so if that didn't make sense, uh, or it doesn't seem very intuitive, that's okay. Uh, because I'm, you know, I'm, I haven't written any of this stuff down. It's It's stuff I'm just thinking about.
1: Okay, then in that case, I would like to uh, ask you, I guess, this last topic for the podcast, which is in terms of axiology, just, you know, a general understanding of of how you look at ethics, morality, the meaning of life, uh, or those in, in general. Okay, because uh, you are a Christian, right, and this is the, your, your initial premise, then uh, how would you, I guess, how would you, you know... Uh, conclude or what would you conclude from that in terms of how you should behave in this world
2: as an ethical system i'm i'm uh, i do teach some ethics so so some some sort of kantianism i think is probably you know a, a pretty good approach uh so, so the kantian one of the things that the, that the, that the this goes back to the, the philosopher Immanuel kant um so the, the big thing about the Kantian is is not exploiting others. That you don't use, I'll uh, never use other people merely as a as a means to an end. To, as a means to get at something that that you would want. Um, and so I think the kind of um, the, the kind of things that Kantianism forbids, I think, are, are a really good starting place for ethics, uh, natural rights theory uh, that has to do with you know the right to life, the security of one's person, and the like. That those are also going to be important ethical concepts. Um, but something that's happened in philosophy in, in the late um, 20th century, kind of a big comeback, is this notion of virtue and virtue ethics. I think just knowing the um, the right answers to ethical questions uh, is, is not enough because you might know the right answer, but not not have the sort of character that allows you to to live out that that sort of answer. And so, you know, trying to figure out how to not just discover the truths of ethics and get the right answers, but become the sort of person that, that can live those out. I think that's an equally, maybe even more uh, important question. uh, And, and one that I think is is often neglected. So, um, so I would say in, in terms of the jargon, um, uh, I'm a rights theorist. Uh, I'm a Kantian, uh, and those those help again nail down a lot of the right answers. But then the virtue theorist is gonna, which goes back to to, to Aristotle. This is a much you know, much more ancient way of of thinking about ethics. Um, that's going to be a really important component in describing how it is we can become the types of persons that can can live out those ethical truths Mm
1: -hmm. okay but let's let's just put it in a layman's term right like you know hey man um you know i'm sort of depressed right now but what do you think is the meaning of life you know if someone asks you that
2: the meaning of life is hard. i never liked, even as a, even as a freshman, I, I told you I was, an, I told you I was an engineer, um, as an undergraduate, I remember them talking about the meaning of life, you know, my, my one, one uh, philosophy class that I took as, as a freshman. And I thought that's just so, that's just so abstract. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really have time for the meaning of life. I, just I think, I think the better way to put it, the, the real question is, is what, rather than the meaning of life, but what what is what is worth your life right what is what is what sort of goals and aims are are worth you investing you know your your time and effort in um, that's the bigger question right and so I think there are lots of lots of pursuits um and this this does help explain going back to the very beginning why I, I, I end up choosing philosophy to begin with. Um, there, there are lots of pursuits, uh, that, that just really aren't worth a person's life. I don't, I don't think the, the accumulation uh, of money, you know, by itself, certainly people have ordered their lives in such a way to do that. Um, others have ordered their lives to gain as much power as possible, political power and other sorts of power, uh, for other people. It's about, you know, it's just about, just, just pleasure in life. It's about, it's about sex and food and other stuff like that. And I don't think any of those, those pursuits ultimately, yeah, are, are worth your life. Life. I don't think those make for a, a, a good flourishing person. Um, and so if you wanted maybe the, you know, the, an additional reason why, why I'm a Christian theist, is because I think that gives you the answer to the, que- to the question that, that um, it is. Okay. Maybe, life. maybe
1: you're sort of non-hedonist, but th- that doesn't really yes. answer wh- the, the real, like what, get what kind of pursuits then, you know, what is the essence of these pursuits that that make life or worthy of life i guess
2: yeah that we're fit that because fitting your life into into how it is that we've been designed right i I, as a theist i think that that our natures have been what are we designed to do then what are we designed to do it's 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 life in the kingdom of god i think that it is ultimately you know um again this this is a very this is a very very christian answer right but it, it really is um you know, pursuing life within within the kingdom of god uh you know un, under the under the reign uh of a king um uh it, it, the the word king isn't used as much in the new testament it's usually lord uh but that that's what we're talking about or you know there, there's somebody in charge and so trying to align my life uh yeah with with the goals and priorities uh of Jesus of Nazareth yeah i i have found that to be a a worthwhile pursuit um that that has helped you know create things within me that I think, uh, as a person, you know, that I think are, are, are worth pursuing.
1: Yeah. But let's say, you know, I'm an average Joe and yeah, you're right, bro. I, you agree that, you know, the essence of life is to sort of, uh, live my life as if I'm, I'm obeying or be, being under the rule of the kingdom of God right on, on earth. But how do mm-hmm. I practically do that? what, you know, in, in from your perspective.
2: Oh well first you got to get in right so so first, so first if you're if you're not if you if you if you aren't convinced right um that 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 is a worth worthwhile pursuit. Uh, then yeah, then you got to go through all that stuff we talked about, you know, earlier in the podcast. You know, you have to come to believe that that there actually is is this king, that there is someone who, who's in, who's running the show, uh, and and you know, and he wants you, uh, you know, it, in that kingdom, a part of a part of his kingdom, and and living your life according to the to the principles of that kingdom rather than the principles that that we set up, you know, for ourselves. Um, so yeah, you gotta you gotta come to believe there is a God. You gotta come to believe that. To, that, that you have to have the right the right king uh, to follow and then come to understand the principles that he's laying out this is this is what i think in the sermon on the mount that uh, that, uh in matthew is what jesus is, is primarily doing it, is laying out the principles for what you know a, a successful life looks like as opposed uh to to you know the, the principles that that the rest of the world is is using and and usually crashing and burning you know over over a long period of time
1: mm-hmm. okay well, i guess like um to end the the podcast I just want to ask, like, um, th- this sort of you know, out of the box, out of the box question. But um, okay, so if I'm a Christian, right, and I wanna, I wanna be this person that lives under God's uh, kingdom on Earth, right? We, I guess, like, what sort of political system should I, should I subscribe to if I want to, th- to be this person? How, how, like, should I go Republican or Democrat, like, or what kind of political system do i want on this earth do i want everyone to be
2: christian Uh (laughs) i think i think that's a completely different issue uh that, that, that the political one so you know my my life and my pursuits I think that works uh, under lots of different political systems that, that work that works under kingdoms empires tyrants right there's there's nothing about the the politics of the world that is is fundamentally going to you know prevent you know me from from, from pursuing life under uh, under the kingdom of God so so no I don't I don't have a I don't have a political. I don't have an answer to your question I, because I don't think it, it, it's it's essential. Uh, I I think it works. Uh, it, it's it's harder. I mean, I do I do like a democracy where there's freedom. You know, to to try to work these things out for yourself. Uh, you know, so people in in, in China right now and, and, and under other systems that they've, they've got a much harder. You know. Uh, time because they can't work these things out as, as freely and, and, and pursue them. Uh, so yes I like I like liberal democracies for that for that reason but no I mean I, I think the whole notion of a, of a political party that's that's so far downstream and uh, you know and, and you have people who yeah are have just dis- people who are who are good Christians and really trying to pursue the right things that that disagree about matters of politics and and, and I'm okay with that.
1: Okay, well, um, I guess you know I'm out of questions, bro, and um, we actually satisfied with uh, with all your answers. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's uh, really great to have you, man. Thank you so much.
2: Okay, Almo, thanks for having me.
1: Okay. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host Almo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please please follow this. Please. Thanks.
2: It takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car, like cooking, but without the frozen dinner easy way out. eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment, so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as Oma's Rouladen. To cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.
0: Shop it all at samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately.